Hey there, fellow listeners. It's Jackie. If you're listening to the Premier Shells podcast, have you ever wondered what time do we record this podcast at? Usually we're up deep into the early hours of the morning when our homes are asleep and quiet. Rahul, can you tell our listeners how we managed to stay awake to do this? A lot of coffee, but it has to be good coffee. We only drink the very best in kickoff coffee. If you've not heard of them, they're a coffee company for soccer fans whose mission is to celebrate the beautiful game through top quality roasted coffee. Each bag you purchase actually helps support grassroots soccer in the U.S. and Colombia. To get yourself a bag today, head over to kickoffcoffeecoat.com and use our code TPCOFFEE5 for 5% off your order. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Stamford, Connecticut. Today, we're missing our Paolo Dybala lookalike in Alex from Waterville, Maine. And he cannot make it today, and for Alex's family that listens in, it's actually a good thing. He is studying very, very hard for his finals, and to all the listeners who tune in, loving to hear Alex's voice, we wish him Good luck on all these exams. But Rahul, you and I are here to talk more than just the exams that Alex is doing. We're here to talk about an unfortunate situation and a loss to Arsenal. I, I'd rather talk about Alex's exams. <laughs> no, but wishing him all the best, like you said. Um, he said he had two finals and then essays and stuff too. So uh, we'll miss him, but he will be back uh, probably for the next one. But yes, Arsenal have come to the bridge and spoiled the party completed a league double over Chelsea for the first time since 2004. In the previous episode, Alex and I were pretty confident (laughs) that this was going to be an easy win. We were not trying to disrespect Arsenal by any means, but boy, did they come out on top. Now, I will say they weren't the better team on the night. That's just my opinion, but we'll go through that in just a second. But you were cautiously optimistic. I think you predicted a 1-1, if I'm not mistaken. And... We didn't manage to get a draw either, so it's going to be a rough run. Do you want to take us through the starting 11 that Tuchel put out? Yes, so Kepa came back in goal. Mendy was rested. Aspie, Thiago Silva back uh, after he didn't play against City. Kurt Zuma came in for Rudiger. Reese James. Billy Gilmore, third consecutive start in the Premier League. Uh, Jorginho, Ben Chilwell, Mason Mount, Pulisic, and Kai Havertz. So quite a few changes there from the previous match. And I think Tuchel admitted that he had made quite a few changes in preparation for the FA Cup, plus some injuries and so many different things that were going on there. Let me run quickly through the Arsenal starting 11. And they played a 3-4-3 as well of sorts with Bert Leno in goalkeeping position. We need to talk about that for just a quick second, Rahul. Uh, Mari, Gabriel, and holding the back three. Kieran Tierney, Thomas Partey, Mohamed Elnini. Bakayako Saka on the right wing back position, Emil Smith-Rowe, the man of the hour, Martin Odegaard, and then leading the line was their captain, Obama Yang. So I paused on the goalkeeper there for a second, and I see you chuckling away, Rahul, is we did a little predicted joint 11 on our previous episode. We actually put up that joint 11 on Instagram as well. And one of the funny questions I asked was, who would be the first choice goalkeeper? And what did you say confidently? I said, Mendy is obviously clear, but Billy Caballero, our third choice goalie, is also clear, and I stand by that. (laughs) 
as do I, but Burnt Leonard did not put a foot wrong in this particular game and actually did help Arsenal. But if you don't mind, I'm going to run through that first half really quickly and then we can discuss it. Obviously, we started really, really well. In the first 10 minutes, there was actually a bad back pass from Gabriel on the Arsenal side to Pablo Mari. And interestingly enough, Kai Havertz showed his alertness and pace, which I was very excited to see. Gets one-on-one with the keeper after pinching the ball from Mari and just seems to lose that final clinical touch and popped it over the top. And you would think like, okay, this is a great start. But four minutes later, Emil Smith-Rowe puts the ball in the net. But here's how it happened. Zuma gives a ball to Jorginho in the final third of our half. Jorginho sends a back pass to Kepa, which almost resorts in an own goal. In fact, Kepa wasn't even standing between the sticks when the ball was passed back. Credit to Kepa. I don't know how he did it. I don't know where he found the energy from and that stretch from to scramble back and nick the ball off the line. But unfortunately, it hits Obama Yang right where it needs to be. And Obama Yang just passes back to Emil Smith-Rowe, who has nothing but empty net. We want to come talk about these incidents in a few minutes, but let me run through the few other opening things in the set, in the first half. Mason Mount has a good chance. Aspiliqueta to Pulisic. Pulisic cut back to Mason Mount. Kind of in the thick of things, and there's a block by Arsenal again. 27th minute, Kai's floating around, which that's something we need to talk about as well. Kai Havertz seemed to float through that entire first half and was looking really good. Finds a through ball to Mason Mount. Saved again. 38th minute, a corner. Header by Pulisic this time went over the crossbar. 35th minute, Pulisic to Chilwell, who I must say murdered Saka in that little incident there. Maybe I'm getting a little overconfident given the result. Crosses over to Mount and multiple, multiple bodies blocking it again. So first half, other than the goal, really dominated by Chelsea. Let's go back and start the analysis, Rahul. First 10 minutes, thoughts on Kai Havertz? He should have scored, plain and simple. It was He did the hard bit, which was nicking the ball off of uh, Pablo Marie, and then he's one-on-one running onto goal and for some reason decides that he wants to go for the top corner, either corner, and just skies it. Uh, I think maybe a more acute finish in one of the bottom corners would have been a better option, but that set the tone for him. I think it affected him for the rest of the game. I know you mentioned his floating around and and some of the other moves he did for the rest of the half, but I think this personally for me watching him was one of his worst games uh, in recent weeks. Yeah, definitely over in recent weeks. But what I did like to see was his movement and his floating. Like I said, I think that gives me confidence for we're starting to see the return of the original Kai Havertz from Bayern Leverkusen, where he almost kind of just floats around, finds space and does something magical with it. Now, should he have buried it? Absolutely. That ball should have gone in the net. But Sometimes these things happen, and in the 14th minute, we were punished. You want to talk us through your thoughts on that one? I, I'd rather not, but it's <laughs> so one of those... Let me ask you a real quick, quick question first. There's a lot of back and forth floating around social media about we're blaming Jorginho, and, and I'm not necessarily blaming Jorginho in this particular instance, but people were pointing the finger at Zuma. So let's open up that discussion point first. Yeah, I mean, in hindsight, we can blame Zuma, we can blame Kepa, we can blame Jorginho, we can blame Tuchel for playing those players. Uh, but the question is, should Zuma have passed to, I think it's Chilwell or Billy Gilmore to his other two options? And if this goal doesn't go in, nobody cares where Zuma passes. So it, I think we're highlighting it that he put Jorginho in a tough position, but I don't think Zuma is really at fault. I don't think Jorginho is really at fault. 
and I don't think Keppa is really at fault. I think right. it's just an unfortunate series of events that led to the goal. Yeah, I think that's good analysis there because Jorginho has been, for lack of a better word, world-class in the last five or six games. In fact, in this game, he was pretty good other than the one mistake. So it's one of those things where I don't think there's much we can do other than let bygones be bygones. And we were pretty light in the middle of the park as well. So he's not going to take this and put Jorginho on the bench by any means necessary. But one guy I want to highlight, Rahul, other than we've talked about Kai Havertz, was Mason Mount, and his name comes up on every podcast, was in the thick of it. And when I say thick of it, I think chance in the 20th minute, chance in the 25th minute, chance in the 30th minute, something like that. I think he just continues to get into good positions and opportunities. But a few episodes ago, I asked a quick question to both you and Alex. I'm going to ask it again. Against Real Madrid, we had a lot of opportunities similar to this first half here, and we did not take them. And I said somewhere along the line, especially if we play Manchester City in the Champions League final, we will be punished. And it sounds like that happened. It did. You're right. We were masters of our own destruction. Like we said, we put Arsenal in a position to score the goal. And then we put pressure on ourselves to go ahead and find an equalizer. It didn't come. A uh, couple of penalty calls that didn't come. And we did everything but score. And like you said, against City, we could have been clear. I think in total, we had five opportunities against City. We scored two. They could have been three more goals. In this game, we had 19 shots on goal five on target, so potentially could have had at least two or three goals. Um, And that's been my complaint. I I remember, if you remember, I've been saying for a while, we were only scoring a wonder goal or a penalty or a mistake. And that ended a few months, a month or so ago, but it's kind of coming back and creeping into our play where it's a mistake or it's Alonso going in and going crazy and scoring. Uh, so that's the concern. But again, if one of those goals goes in, we're not having this discussion. So um, you've got to put your hands up and say it was just not our night. And that point of it coming back, it's a little bit worrying because it's coming back at the wrong time in the season, especially when we're going towards finals and raced for the final top four. And we'll get to the top four table in just a second here. But let me run through the second half really quickly. Tuchel saw something, made some changes. Callum Hudson-Odoi comes in. Good to see. We've been talking about him lately in a few episodes about whether he's going to get opportunities or not. He did. We start bright again in the 60th minute. We have a corner. Kai flicks it onto Pulisic, who chested in to the net. Yep, you heard right. He chested it into the net. But good old VAR comes back and calls it offside. But rightly so this time. It was definitely offside. Juru comes on somewhere along the line. 85th minute. Juru actually seems to be making things happen. We need to talk about that in just a second, Rahul. But from deep, he's able to find a ball out to Callum on the left wing. Callum puts in a lovely cross to Pulisic, which he, in all honesty, could have made better contact there. And that should have been a goal. And we would be in in a draw. We wouldn't have any of these discussions. But things didn't happen. It was a big chance wasted. From the 89th minute to the 96th minute was pure chaos. And there was too much to talk about. So I'm going to highlight two things that happened very early on in that first segment was a ball in from, I think it was Hakim Ziyech. Zuma finds it playing center forward, bangs his head onto it. It hits the crossbar, lands back down. Juru in a prime position, hits it as well, hits the bar and off. And then from there, there was just pressure after pressure after pressure from Chelsea and to no avail. It ends one nail to the Gunners. So let's go back and talk about a few key points in this, Rahul. 
thoughts on Callum coming on? I think he looked bright and lively. He did. I think it was a, a good move. The only concern there was we took off Billy Gilmore, which pushed Mason Mount deeper into midfield. Uh, and I think he does a good job, don't get me wrong, but I think we take away from what Mason Mount brings to the attack by bringing him deeper. Um, but hudson Adoy, pretty good, I'd say. But if I bring him on as a halftime substitute, I'm almost expecting a little bit more. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know if I'm being overcritical of him. But what we saw against Southampton a few weeks ago when he, was, he came on and was pulled off... Um, could have happened again if if you know if we were in a different position. Yeah, I mean, obviously Tuchel's shown that he can be ruthless when he needs to make a change on the team. But I, I think I will agree with you. Hudson Odoi was very lively. I mean, I saw him in multiple opportunities, and when I mean opportunities was gameplay. He was actually making things happen, which is something we talk about Pulisic quite a bit on when we need something with flair, something with energy, something with pace. Pulisic has seems to be the man, and and. I think Tuchel saw something because he kept Pulisic on, brought Hudson Adoy on. Later on, he actually bought Hakim Ziyech on. So there was a lot of creative players on there, but I think it was just too difficult to break down Arsenal. I think they wanted this. Not saying Chelsea didn't want this, but I think they really wanted this and they defended decently well and kept a clean sheet. We want to talk about the starting 11 as a whole now, Rahul, because I think Tuchel came out and said, for lack of a better word, he accepted blame on this loss, basically stating that we lost the game because he made too many changes and he did not get the selection right. You, me, and Alex have had many discussions about whatever team he puts out, Chelsea have a lot of talent on the pitch. And just looking at the team, and I've pulled it up right here in front of me, with zero disrespect to Arsenal, this team on paper seems to be pretty solid and should be able to beat Arsenal. So Tuchel coming out and saying, I'm taking the blame, what is he trying to say? I'm not quite sure. I heard the interview and he said, I saw this coming in training last night and I, you know, I should have made some changes. I should have played different players, but like you're saying, we're looking at this 11 and is he talking about Zuma not playing and playing Rudiger, but Rudiger wasn't on the bench. Is he talking about playing Hakim Ziyech from the start? Uh, Is he talking about playing Giroud from the start? We just don't know. But from the players that played, like you said, and the chances that we had and the overall game, we were the better team. So him saying that, maybe just taking pressure off the players um, in the media and letting them know that, you know, this is on me, not the players, because they gave their all. Um, But I personally would, I think the main issue, and that's no disrespect to Billy Gilmore, is we're light in that midfield position. Agreed. Um, we miss Kovacic, we miss Conte. Jorginho kind of has an off moment. I'm not going to say a game because he was pretty good overall. Um, and you can't plan for these things. An own, a goal like that, you can't prepare for tactics in place. It's just something that happens. And then you have to react, and they did, which for me was the best part that we didn't let, you know, just let the game go by and, and in the last 10 minutes say, oh, we got to score. We were on it the whole time. Yeah, fair point. Because honestly, I think you're right. Some of these players, quite a few of these players, will actually make it into the FA Cup final as well. So him saying that he got the starting lineup wrong was... I was scratching my head for a second there because I was like, more than 50% of these guys are probably going to play that final. So are you saying something different? And, and I think you're right. I think he's trying to take the pressure off of the team 
because if we are correct and we do think 50% of these guys are playing, nothing should be weighing on their head. Now, as far as like what happened there, I think you're right. Just like Jorginho had an off ball or an off pass. I think the team had an off day. We've played a lot of football and I think it was Gary Cahill. Um, I apologize. Um, Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher that said what Tuchel has done with this team is incredible. And why he said that, and maybe this is probably something we need to reserve for when we do a final season review, is because when Tuchel came in, we were at the point of the season where we were playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. I mean, it was nonstop. And the point Neville was trying to make, or was Carragher, I can't remember now, is when you do that, where you're playing every three to four days, there's no breaks in between to truly train the team. And when he said train the team, he means put his stamp on it. And we saw pretty quickly that he put his stamp on, I think it was within game two or game three, he was able to figure out the best system for this group of players and get them to stop conceding, which was an issue under Lampard. And so he thinks that's very impressive, as do I, where we figured it out. And so now him bringing in some of these mind games and making sure the players don't feel the pressure, it's it's kind of refreshing to watch. It's almost like a, dare I say, Jose Mourinho of 2004, 2005, where he really knew how to get the players away from the media, away from the stress and take the pressure on himself. Yeah, I agree with you. And to that point, I think uh, I've got to put my hand up and say, you know, what they highlighted that he's been playing Wednesday, Saturday, this midweek weekend, doesn't allow you a lot of time, like you said, and they said to, to train and prepare the team the way you want to. And I think we've seen that as a result of the, the lack of goals we've scored we scored goals, we won games, we won points. But I think the only game that we did more than a couple of goals was that Crystal Palace game. And that's one game in three and a half months or so. Right. And so I think the attacking side of it has suffered from the lack of time on the on the training pitch. But he solved the main issue, which was, like you said, the defense. I was just running through some of the games before he came in. We conceded three to Arsenal three to Man City, two to Leicester, uh, one to Everton. So we were just giving up goals. And that's something he said, you know what, I'll fix that. And the attack will kind of take care of itself. And it has. I mean, we're in two finals. We're in the top four. Um, It's easy to forget that and and moan about, oh, well, we lost to Arsenal again. And as much as it pains me to, to lose to Arsenal, there is other things that we've got to look forward to in the next month or so. Yeah, it's one of those, Rahul, like you said, when you don't have enough time to put your stamp on it, I think all we can do is go through the the motions of what's happening. And overall, I think he's done a wonderful job. Again, we need to reserve some of this for the podcast episode we do when we do a full season review and figure those things out. But let me quickly run through the table now. There's a lot of games that have been played over this week, and I'm not going to be able to get into all the games. We're not going to be able to talk about all the results, but Looking at the table, Manchester City still in first with 80 points. Manchester United with 70 points. They did not help us this particular game week. Ole's not at the wheel anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He allowed the wheel to kind of go in its own direction for a little bit. Leicester City sitting in third with 66 points, so we lose out on that third spot. We dropped to fourth, which is still Champions League spot, but with 64 points and 36 games played. Liverpool are in fifth with 60 points and one game in hand. So potentially that will just put them a point behind should they win that game in hand. So things are getting very interesting indeed. No need to talk about the bottom table. We know who has been relegated, but we're going to keep talking about the top here and see 
what happens over the next couple of games that are remaining. So in that spirit, Rahul, any closing thoughts on this particular game before we jump into the big game we're playing this weekend? Yeah, I had one question for you. So you mentioned that Arsenal played a 3-4-3, similar to our formation. Um, And we've noticed and seen that every time a team does that, we've struggled to break them down or we've struggled to win points. I think back to uh, Southampton who did it and we drew the game. I think back to, I believe it was Barnsley in the FA Cup and we literally struggled to get through that game we got through. But it's pointing to the fact that teams are coming in playing the same way we do and saying, you know what, we'll put all our men behind the ball, which is what Arsenal did, and hope for a counterattack and, and try to win the game. And it happened for them. It happened for Southampton, who got the equalizer. But the concerning thing for me is we played Leicester this weekend, who could right. literally do the same thing. And with two of their guys in form in attack, that could spell some trouble. And then I think about Man City, who are now champions and literally just have to focus on the, on the Champions League final. It's going to be watching every game we play and saying, you know what, maybe we'll also play a 3-4-3. So wanted to get your thoughts on that, and, and if you think there's any way around it and Tuchel may surprise it the other team. You make some great points, but I'll start to answer your question from the reverse forward, I guess, if that makes any sense. But I don't think Tuchel's going to make any changes to his formation, first and foremost. I think it's tried. I think it's tested. I think if we look at his win rate, Rahul, and maybe you know the percentage, I don't, but I think he's probably at this point, even though it's only a half season, the Chelsea manager with the highest win rate, I think he was pushing 65 or 70%, something like that. And so he knows that this is tried and trusted. And now I'm going to reverse a little bit and talk about the Arsenal game. He made changes in that second half. And in fact, Tuchel's one of those guys that makes changes very quickly when he thinks when he sees things are not going his way. And the changes he made, Rahul, from what I could see were not necessarily changing the shape, but changing the tactics. He brought on the creative players because he realized these guys have got the men behind the ball. So me changing to a 4-4-2 doesn't help or me changing to a 4-3-3 doesn't help. I need to bring more creative players on. Let these guys sit. We know we can defend, especially if we bring someone like a Kante on to help with the defensive position. We know we can defend. Let's hit them where it hurts and bring on a lot of attacking players, which he did wonderfully on. Now, why we didn't win the game today or why we struggled in some games, I think it's down to the attack. I think sometimes we're unlucky. Sometimes we don't take our chances, whatever the case may be. So with regards to Leicester, I don't think he's going to change formation. Leicester may try to match. We have to take our chances. I think it's as simple as that. We can run through this game. We can run through some of the other games we've lost. We have a lot of chances. We have a lot of the ball. It's just a matter of how do we make sure the ball ends up in the net. And that's really my two cents on them. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I like I said, we've conceded one in that game against Southampton where they matched us. We conceded one against Arsenal. So really, we've just got to figure out the piece where where we can score the goals even right. when the team's playing us maybe man for man or just matching the system. Um, but the other point is this is the third consecutive defeat to Arsenal. Uh, FA Cup final under Lampard, 3-1 earlier this season under Lampard and now Tuchel. So it seems like Arsenal can go do whatever they want by dropping points against everyone, but they come up against Chelsea and just for some reason, turn it on. And do you think there's a particular reason for that? Or we've just been unlucky against them? 
sometimes you have a bogey team. I hate to say it that way, but sometimes you do have a bogey team. I think a few years ago, it was like Aston Villa for us. No matter what we tried, we could not beat Aston Villa. And the first season that Jose Mourinho came, I think our bogey team was Fulham for two or three seasons. No matter what happened, Jose was going on this unbelievable run and we'd lose one nail to Fulham of all teams. So I think it's one of those things where we're just going through a rough patch and Arsenal raised their game almost for the North London derby. And of course, having an FA Cup win and then another win psychologically helps them as well. But to my Arsenal fans out there, they're still sitting in ninth and a club of Arsenal's caliber. It's a little disappointing to see. I think there is a recipe for them to go in the right direction next season with Arteta. You and I have had many heated debates of Arteta and I think he should stay. But them sitting in ninth is still not where a club of Arsenal's style and prestige should sit. But to answer your overall question, it's one of those things where luck happens. It doesn't happen. But don't forget, we beat them 4-1 in the Europa Cup final as well. So things can change. Things can change, and I hope they change because I don't want to keep hanging on to that Europa League <laughs> final. Uh, one last question for you. You ran through the table. You said if Liverpool win their next game, uh, they sit one point behind us. We've then got to play Leicester and, and Villa, who might be a bogey team still. We'll find out. Do you think we make this top four? I, th- I do think we make it. I don't think it's going to be easy. So we're not going to have to sit back and rely on on favors from anybody else. Like the previous podcast we had stated, we're hoping that Manchester United is going to do this for us or West Ham is going to drop points or Liverpool. We can't do that. It just, it's just not going to work for Chelsea. There's some tough games ahead and Tuchel needs to realize that he's got a big squad rotated. Maybe make sure you're picking the right players. I'd like to see a little more of Giroud coming back into the game, a little more of Hudson-Odoi being a little more creative and on the front foot to get those goals. But at this point, I think we make it, but it's going to be a tough, tough couple of games. Yeah, it's 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 four finals, essentially. Leicester, Leicester, Villa, Man City. Um, and last point before we move on to the, the FA Cup final, we had said, or I think I had said, the 2011-12 season, we lost to Arsenal at home, and you know how that ended. <laughs> um, we lost again. And we didn't make top four that season. So not saying anything for that, but just going to put out my Mr. Bean face over here. Um, <laughs> but that's, 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 I think that's all on the Arsenal game. It's one of those things where you've got to take it on the chin. Another wake-up call like it was after West Brom, and we saw how we did after that. So hoping that the next four games are all um, in our favor and we win them. And diving into the next four games, the next one is a huge one. If we haven't already said it, or there's not been enough buildup, or you've been living under a rock, Chelsea play the FA Cup final. We are playing Leicester, which is no baby team. They're a pretty strong team. They're actually sitting up there third in the Premier League. So they've performed very, very well. And they're one of those teams, Rahul, that don't have the biggest budget. They don't attract the biggest flair players. They're not in a fancy part of England as far as area goes, but Brendan Rogers, the ownership, the staff, the players, everybody seems to have come together and really continue to bring this Leicester team forward. A lot of people online have talked about Leicester as the one hit wonder where they won that premier league and they're never going to relive those highs, but here they are season after season competing for top four now in an F pickup final. And it's not easy to do this season after season. So it's not going to be a walk in the park, but it sounds like you have some insights for us. Yeah, I do. So, I mean, adding to the occasion, it's the 140th FA Cup final. Um, So long history of this competition. And 
speaking of history, this is the first time Chelsea and Leicester will be facing in the final. Um, and it's actually only the second time I believe that's happened in the history of the competition where uh, two teams that have never faced each other in the final face each other. So it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, this is also taking place before the end of the Premier League seasons, And this has only happened back in 2012-2013 when Wigan won against Manchester City. So um, the underdogs, I guess in this case, might be Leicester, but they sit above us. So I'm going to say we are the underdogs <laughs> uh, to, the, to argue the point that the underdog might win this game. Um, but for Chelsea, I mean, this is our 15th FA Cup final. Only Arsenal and Manchester United have featured in more. Uh, and we actually have featured in four of the last five FA Cup finals, winning one and losing two, uh, both of those two Arsenal. Uh, so I think it's time that we make it two wins and two losses, and I hope we can do it this weekend. That's some great insights. I think you have a bit of superstition. Some of the things you bring up and and history that you try to tie into and hope that we can become the underdog or whatever. And, and hey, whatever works, man, whatever works. <laughs> that's that's why I've been watching on my laptop. But I think that superstition ended after this Arsenal game. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's good to have those superstitions. I think sometimes whatever works, we need to keep doing to make sure we keep winning. But those are some great insights. It's interesting to see a club of Leicester's caliber that we're now going to meet them in a final for the first time. I think, obviously, in the last few seasons, they really have stepped up to be one of those... I don't want to say top four, but they are a top floor, top floor contender at this point. So it's going to make for an interesting final. And Brendan Rodgers, for those who don't know, is a Chelsea boy as well. He's got a lot of Chelsea history coming through. He knows the club inside and out. He's been around for a long, long time. In fact, I think Chelsea tried to recruit Brendan Rodgers to come back at one point to managers. But he's a manager who's been there, done that. He's got Leicester to many things. He took Liverpool to almost winning the Premier League a few seasons ago. So, again... We're talking about some some players and some staff that do have some great accolades under their belt. So let's talk about a start, starting 11, Rahul. Who do you think goes through? Yeah, so I think Kepa, Tuchel's confirmed it, played the last game to get ready for the final. He's played, I believe, every game in the FA Cup. So he deserves to you know play the final. So he'll start. Uh, I think Christensen is still out. So we'll go with Aspilicueta, Thiago Silva, Rudiger comes back. Uh, Reese James Conte I, hopefully comes back I know he has some pain I also saw it might be in a long-term injury so I'm hoping that's wrong uh, if he's fit then Conte Jorginho uh, Ben Chilwell facing his former side Mason Mount Pulisic and Timo Werner who was rested and before we started this I was telling you that we've only lost one game under Tuchel when Werner has played so Another superstition, but I'm hoping that Werner starts. I was going to say, may the superstitions continue if we win these games. I'm going to definitely want Werner to start every game going forward. No, look, a strong 11, like we always say, Chelsea have really good squad depth at this point in time. Interesting question on on Kante for you. Should Kante truly have an injury and he's not able to make that starting 11, do you then look towards a Billy Gilmore? Or do you do what Tuchel's done in the past, which is drop Mason Mount into that middle two and then find somebody else to replace him in the top three there? I think the idea would be to drop Mason Mount for the energy, for his ability to 
uh, help out with the defensive side. And then I think if he's not playing in the attacking, then maybe he drops Werner and brings in a Havertz as the false nine with the floating, or he just brings in a Ziyech, which we've seen him do and partner Ziyech up with Pulisic and, and Werner, allowing Ziyech to find uh, the runs of Pulisic and Werner. So it's not a bad option, but if given a choice, I'd rather have Conte. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We want to have Conte in that middle. And like you said, we're light in the middle, so hopefully he's fit and ready to go. Want to give some accolades to Kepa here, Rahul, because you just touched on he's played every FA Cup game and he's performed extremely well. He's had a tough couple of year, year and a half maybe under Lampard where things have not gone his way. We did think that he was going to have some complaints and noise similar to what happened with Sari, but he has been a model professional. And I, for one, am a little bit concerned when you say your first choice goalkeeper is Mendy, but Kepa's going to start a final. But every point you've made, and like we said, if he's performed all the way through in the cup, he definitely needs to start. You think it's deserved? I think so, 100%. I think earlier this season, you and I were saying, just moving away from Kepa for a second, uh, Timo Werner needs to sit out. Timo Werner needs time. You know, he's been playing every game. Why is he playing every game? And that's what we were seeing with Kepa last season, even though he was getting dropped for a game or two, he would come back. But since Mendy has come in, it's allowed Kepa the time to just clear his head get out of the limelight, get out of the media. And we've seen he's come back and done very, very well. I mean, I think at one point he was at five or six clean sheets in a row, um, which might have been ended in this Arsenal game. But even in this Arsenal game, he did his very best to avoid that own goal. I, I was looking at it and I was saying, I think I said it to Alex in the Instagram live, last season's Kepa just watches that roll in. Yeah. Uh, so the confidence is up. He feels good. And he's played th- all throughout the FA Cup. So I think he deserves to, um, you know, play the final and make up for last season. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I think that's definitely good points there. One more person I want to talk about before we potentially move on to maybe a predicted scoreline. Ben Chilwell, you picked him in your starting 11. Now he did play this game against Arsenal today. So he's got a couple of days rest, but it's quick and fast. Do you think Ben Chilwell makes this final? Because I know you've picked him, but I'm just curious here versus Alonso. And if Ben Chilwell does make this final, any thoughts in his head against playing Leicester, maybe? Ben Chilwell has to play this final. <laughs> um, no disrespect to Alonso. He may pop up and score a goal, but you've seen over the course of the last few weeks, Ben Chilwell has raised his game and shown that he can adapt to the left back, left wing back position. So I think he's got to play. He's 24. If he is going to be playing back-to-back games, this is the age to do it. Um, And like you said, he's played for Leicester. He's going to be wanting to win a final against them to show them that he moved on for the right reasons. Um, So I think he needs to play. And he brings that energy and the pace that sometimes we lack when Alonso plays. Yeah, great points. I think I have to agree with you there. So... Maybe before we move on, we need to talk about a scoreline, Rahul. And I know this is a difficult one, but thoughts on a scoreline for the FA Cup final, my friend? Oh, man, it's it's going to be like so nervy. Um, 2-1 Chelsea. It's a pretty good prediction there because that means we walk away with the FA Cup final. Just because you gave a prediction, I think I'm going to have to give one now. I was going to try and skip myself. No, no, you, you've, you've got to put your... Your mouth where your money is. 
thankfully i'm your not putting any money on this is, whatever it is <laughs> thankfully i'm not putting any money on this game but alex looking, might. <laughs> yeah he might <laughs> we'll have to find out afterwards but looking at the team looking at leicester again on paper everything shows that chelsea are the better side but you cannot discount players like jamie vardy madison ian nacho indeedy i mean leicester have a good squad guys it's it's not an easy one for sure but one nail to Chelsea, in my opinion. Both are very nervy scorelines. Nothing comfortable here. This is why I like having Alex on, because he would have been like, you know what? I'm feeling a 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> he um, brings that confidence to the Premier Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, but, hey, if we win 1-0, 2-1, 3-0, whatever it is, as long as we win, and how it doesn't matter how we do it, because we've got to win this trophy, uh, Last season's heartbreak in the final, we've got a point to prove. And I think Pulisic has got a point to prove because his injury last season uh, in the final kind of changed the game. Obviously, the red card to Kovacic changed it completely. But when Pulisic went off, uh, I think we suffered. And I think he'll want to show that you know he's out here to win it. And I believe he'll become the first American player to win the FA Cup. I may be wrong, and maybe the listeners can correct me, but I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. If he does, and if that's a true fact right there, that would be unbelievable. But again, we're just sitting here, fingers crossed. We're going to have a good time watching the match, and we'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. But moving on, Rahul, we have another final to celebrate. This has just been incredible. Not trying to jinx anything. I don't want to knock on wood and disturb the podcast here, but the women are in the Champions League final. We've talked about this already, but I know you want to run through some items for us here. Yeah, so first time ever the women's are in the Champions League final. Uh, a few weeks ago, we said uh, Emma Hayes has been working on this 12 years in the making for the women. A uh, few heartbreaks over the last few seasons where they made it to the semifinals, dropped out, made it to the quarterfinals, dropped out, but they finally made it. And so this is how the season started. In the round of 32 in December, they played Benfica, easily brushed them aside, Uh, 8-0 aggregate win over the two legs. Moved on to the round of 16. Played Atletico Madrid like the men's team. uh, Won 2-0 in the first leg and then drew the next leg 1-1. 3-1 on aggregate. Moved on to the next round. Uh, In the quarterfinals, they played Wolfsburg. 2-1 win in the first leg. 3-0 in the second leg. 5-1 win aggregate. Moved on. Uh, Semi-final, they played Bayern Munich, which we actually just covered a a few weeks ago. They lost the first leg 2-1 and then won the home leg 4-1. And (laughs) again, if you haven't seen the highlights of the second leg, go watch it because it will get you ready and put you in the mood for both finals because it was so exciting. Yeah, that is a road to a Champions League if I have ever seen one. Some of the names you dropped there, Rahul, are incredible teams with a lot of history but we are Chelsea and we have some pretty incredible history ourselves and again I don't want to knock on wood and disturb this podcast here but we could be making more history with our first Champions League win for the women's so definitely something exciting Rahul what time is that game being played and any more information on where yeah so the game's being played in Sweden uh, but here in the U.S. it'll be at 3 p.m. Eastern uh, and it is actually available on Paramount Plus. 
so if you haven't signed up for it, go sign up for it. I believe that it may also be available through Chelsea, but I'm not 100% sure. So Paramount Plus for sure. Uh, and we play Barcelona, which aren't an easy team to get by. But if anybody can do it, it's Chelsea. And I think the hunger is there. I think the desire is there after already wrapping up the Super League, the Women's Super League last weekend. This would be the third trophy because we've also won the Conti Cup. So we could be on for a treble. And if we win the treble, we could then be on for a quadruple <laughs> by winning the FA Cup, which for some reason goes all the way through December. Uh, but we could end 2021, the women's team winning four major trophies. Say it again, my friend. Four major trophies. That is incredible. It is. And like we said, I think a week or so ago, we, this would be the only second time a team in the women's division have done that. So history is being made and, and we're watching it being made in front of our eyes. So Rahul and all our friends out there listening, I've got my fingers cro- crossed. I've got my toes crossed. I'll be tuned in on Sunday to watch this game. And hopefully in our next episode, we're going to be telling you that we are the champions of Europe. That's going to be incredible. But hopefully we get to watch that. Hopefully we get to celebrate. It's going to be an exciting one. And then we can also be telling you that we're FA Cup final champions as well. It's going to be a fun-filled weekend. It is. And we'll be watching both games. We'll be watching the Premier League too because Big Sam, we're counting on you this time around. Um, Ole let us down, but I think Big Sam maybe can do it. Uh, Callum Robinson, we let you score all your all your Premier League goals against us, so maybe it's time to do some against do the business against Liverpool. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea, available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, we're also on Instagram. If you don't follow us, please drop us a follow. And as always, send us your feedback. We will be back later this week to do an FA Cup final review and a Leicester preview. But until then, stay safe and up the Chelsea.